instructional box all around them. And um, it was there uh, for good reason, but they're really having a hard time getting out of it. And so this is an equal opportunity offend you kind of Sunday, all right? So get ready. It's a fun one. Let's pray. Lord, we, we do come before you and are so thankful that um, we can be challenged by your word in a way that is good and right and true because, Lord, we want um, the boxes that are supposed to be there to be there, but we want um, to be humble enough to realize that we are not God, you are. And so, God, I pray that you would reveal to each person who's here, what, wherever they might be at, reveal to your spirit where those boxes might be or threaten to be in our life that we need to be very careful about. So, Lord, um, we leave it up to you. We leave your spirit to, um, to fill us, teach us, grant us wisdom, grant us um, truth that might encourage us and also challenge us. And it's in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. So the way down in the Bible is a word you've probably heard before. It's humility, right? That even when you're right to be humble and how important that that's going to be the key, all right? That's going to be the key. Um, the, uh, the, uh, as we, we look to um, Acts chapter 11, verse 1, uh, bear with me because my iPad is in, in, in uh, connectivity and I have real control issues with that, so... Um, Isaac's going to do his best back there to stay with me, but if he doesn't, blame me. Um, and, and so as we get here, if you were with us last week, and I know it's three-day weekend, so you may not have, we went through all of chapter 10. And then I looked at the passage this week, Amari, what are we going to do? And I was like, oh my goodness, this is like the same story. <laughs> Why did I do this to myself, right? And so I prayed about it. I was like, all right, Lord, what, I'm not going to repeat the sermon from last uh, weekend. So what about this weekend? And, and really, uh, what was behind? So Peter's going to tell the same story from his point of view from chapter 10 to Christians in Judea because they're criticizing him. Like, why did you do that? And so then I started thinking about that and and that idea of a box, being boxed in and unable to let the Lord just sort of drag us out of that. Um, And so uh, in chapter 10, right, and we're going to hear his point, his Peter's uh, telling that story in a minute, but in chapter 10, in a nutshell, he was not looking for this, but he receives a vision as he's praying, right, and he's told to go and to eat with and to share the gospel with a Gentile, which to us is no big deal, a non-Jew, but to them, that was like, you don't do that. We are separate right? We are separate. But he did. He watched the Holy Spirit fall upon Cornelius and his household, and they come to Christ. And those fences of the gospel have been destroyed forever. Thank God, right? It's like he said, unless you have a Jewish heritage, you're a Gentile. And we're here today because those fences have been destroyed. We take it for granted, but we shouldn't. And so that happened, right? And, and it leads us to, to verse 1, where, where we're now told uh, a little bit of time takes place, right? And the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? Right? They're not just like, hey, Peter, tell us about this. They're critical of them. They're bringing them on the carpet. Right? He's, he's the apostle Peter. Right? They don't care. They're like, you don't do that. Their biggest issue isn't even, it seems to me, that they're Christians now. That a church might have popped up in Cornelius' house. It's that he ate with them. We don't do that. 
right? We have, we have a box, and we are distinct people of God. Even though we're Christians now, we're still the Jews over here and the Gentiles over there. That's how it's always been. That's how it should be. I mean, what are you saying, Peter? God changed his mind? Did God go to plan B? You see, what happens when we have a box like this often is the scriptures or the truths that are true that fit into it we love and we talk about a lot but the ones that don't we kind of go eh, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that because look with me I'm just gonna I could give you so many uh, passages um, but I'm gonna bring you to Genesis chapter 12 and this was beloved by them. This is when the promise began, right? God is telling Abraham, you're gonna be my, your, your family's gonna be my people. You're gonna be distinct, right? They loved this passage, and yet look at it with me. He says in verse three, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So in the box, well, we're the fam family of Abraham, done. All the families, which by the way is the word that ended up being used for nations, because that's where nations came from, right? Families, and eventually you get so big, you're a nation, imagine that. Um, have enough kids, right? That's what happens. And, and so, so he's, he's given them this, this, this promise, and, and all along God said, yes, you're my people, but there is going to come a time when through you everyone will be blessed. This is always God's plan. They just didn't like that part of it, right? Um, I could give you plenty of others. Let me just give you one more. They also had prophets um, that they just loved, especially Daniel. Daniel chapter 7 when he's talking about his visions. He says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. Verse 14. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, do you see that? All peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So they loved Daniel. They loved the, the, because what he's predicting is this Messiah, this Christ is going to come and he's going to restore and he's going to redeem and he's going to do all that, right? And, and, and so they loved that. And, they, and these people that Peter's talking to, they believe that's Jesus, right? They're Christians. So they believe Jesus came. He was the Messiah, right? And yet in that very prophecy, right, it says through him all nations, languages, families are going to be blessed. But that doesn't fit in the box, right? And so they were saying, Peter, how could you? All he had to do was point back to so many places in Isaiah and Ezekiel. And, I mean, it's the Psalms pointing to when this, this time will come. But Peter needs to answer them, right? He needs to, to, um, to answer them. And he could answer them in a lot of ways. And he does what I think the best way is he just simply tells them his testimony. Guys, you just got to hear what happened. Look with me, verse 4 of back in Acts 11. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying in a trance, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Verse 6. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and, and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. You might remember that from chapter 10, right? But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Now, this is Peter's rendition of it, right? And he's 
almost word for word in his answer to God quoting Ezekiel. From Ezekiel 4, when by the way, God told him to eat cow manure. Another sermon for another day. We won't get into that, all right? And so he's quoting, but he's basically telling people, hey, I get it. I get that this is uncomfortable for you, man. I argued with God, right? I was not going to do this, uh, but you got to hear what happened, right? So he goes to verse 6. Looking at it closely, uh, I observed animals and beasts, right? So he's saying, uh, these, these animals, they're, they're unclean, and I, I never eat unclean animals. But verse 9, he, Peter continues. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened, Peter said, three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. I argued, guys, I argued with God three times. Like, I get it, I had my box too, but but you gotta know what happened. Verse 11, behold, in that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. Big words for, for what they're talking about, no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Like, you and I, no big deal. You go to someone's house. To them, it's like, you went into a Gentile's house? You, you sat and you, how could you do that? Right? He's like, well, I did it because the Lord told me to do it, right? And, and so he says, I, I went into his house. Um, and, and this here is Peter going getting low to get out, getting down to get out of his box. Humility. He had to come to grips with, I'm not God. If you can just say that in your life, breathe, I'm not God. I'm not God. And that's a good thing. But sometimes we want to play God. We have our boxes that we want to, we want to be in control of. And Peter's like, God is doing this, not, not me. He continues in verse 13. He says, and he told us how he had seen the angel. This is, he's talking about Cornelius now. Stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who's called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household, right? Even the Gentiles will be saved. All the fences, all the barriers. This is the news that every one of us should celebrate every day we are alive, that because Christ died in our place, we can live. No barrier but you will ever get in the way. That was last week's message, but that's every week's message. That if you think you're just too far gone or too much in shame or sin, you need to know that Christ is big enough to save you. That his cross is enough and you will never save yourself. You need him. And so that's the words that, that he, that he um, told these Gentiles. But then Peter goes on. He says, guys, you got to hear what happened next. As I began to speak, verse 15, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord. How he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then here's verse 17, where Peter kind of closes his story to see how they will react. He says, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? I love how Peter does it because he puts all the onus on him, but here's what he's doing by saying, who am I to stand in God's way? He's, by by just nature of them being there, they should be asking the question too, who am I, who are we to stand in God's way? So how will they respond, verse 18? 
When they heard these things, I love this part, Luke says, they fell silent. What that tells me is they weren't just respectfully listening to Peter. Right? They're like, Peter, get in here. You got to tell us what, what's going on. And Peter's like, and then I went to his house. You did what? You saw a sheet? There was, you, you ate what? Right? And there was like a lot of commotion. But as he asks this question, it's like, they realize, oh boy. Right? And so here's the moment where they get down. Humility. Right? They get down. And, and, and it says that, that they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now, this issue will not be completely resolved. They will fight about this some more. But at least for now, because Paul's going to really bring it to the Gentiles, and they're going to be like, this is getting crazy. But at least for now, they say, let's be humble enough. We're not God. We, we, we loved our box but the Lord has taken us out of it. And it's uncomfortable, and it's hard to face, but who are we to stand in the way of God? And so what I want us to do is see that even in our lives, probably not that, eating with a Gentile, is probably not your issue or mine. But we do have boxes, right? We have um, challenges, right? And so that's my first point. Face challenges with humility. When I say challenges, I mean very specific challenges to your boxes. And that could not just necessarily be theological, because you might not even be a Christian here. You might not even sure you believe in God. Well, that's your worldview. There is no God. I don't know if I believe in God. I don't even know about this whole Jesus thing, whatever. That might be your worldview. And what we all tend to do is say, that's what I believe in. It's, cr- it's craziness, and, and, and I don't believe, and that's just how it is. That's not humble. Humble is saying, maybe you're wrong, and what if you are? And even if you do that and you come face to face with, let me at least consider there is a God. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Right? That's called humility. And you will never go wrong with humility. You'll never go wrong in your marriage or in your relationships by saying, hey, maybe I'm not completely right. And even if I am, this person is a soul made in the image of God and they matter. If that's your attitude, so many things go so much better than me going, I'm right and you're wrong. That doesn't ever go well, even if you're right. Didn't go well when you were in second grade, it doesn't go well now. And so uh, face all challenges, no matter where you are at, okay? There are boxes of all kinds, right? All kinds. Um, and, and I'm going to give you a few, but there's so many more that I don't. There's, 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 um, there's probably a two billion de- denominations in the Christian church, right? Not that many, but close. And some of them probably make pretty good sense because we'd be fighting all the time over these issues, right? But some of them, quite frankly, are silly. Um, and they're just distinctions that it's like, really, we can't be in the same church because of that? Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard this story, but Peter, after he went to be with the Lord, he's in heaven, and he's showing somebody around who just passed and now comes to heaven. And heaven's just, it's, a, it's awesome, praising God, it's loud, it's amazing, right? And, and they're, they're, he's giving them the tour, and this over here, and this is, you know, where, where, where Thomas is. And then he goes, oh, oh, oh. And they tiptoe past this doorway with this big area. And, of course, the guy is curious, like, Peter, why do we have to be quiet? What's in there? What's in there? And Peter says, oh, that's the Baptists. They think they're the only ones up here, so we just leave them alone. <laughs> now, 
we're Baptists. I don't know if you knew that. That's just church. All right. So we can make fun of ourselves. But really, you could probably put almost any denomination in that joke, couldn't you? Oh, we're the one. Even non-denominationals, right? We got it figured out. We don't do any denominations. Right? What did Tim Hawkins, a comedian, say? That you're just Baptist with a cool website. That's kind of up. What I say now is Baptist with really good coffee. All right? Paul keeps making our coffee better, man. We're going to have to be non-denominational pretty soon. You know, we can't be Baptist with that old, horrible coffee. You're not supposed to enjoy it, right? And, and so whatever the denomination is, you could put it in there, right? And it's just, and, and again, boxes, right? And, and, and I, I got thinking about why do these boxes exist? Why is there like this, this box and they point to a scripture and this box and they point to a scripture? Or they point, why is that? And, and I think if you really step back and think about it with me, it's because um, God's revelation is not everything. All right? God's revelation is not everything. Put that up for me, Isaac, will you? Um, now, that looks bad. What do you mean? We're going to add to the Bible? No. God's revelation is complete. We're not going to add or take away from it. And it's all we need. That's not what I'm saying with this point. What I'm saying is there is just infinity amounts of information and stuff we don't have available to us. Why? Number one, right? Number one, we're limited. Did you know that? Some of you are like, well, no. None of you are like that, right? Like, of course I'm limited. Right? You, 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 we have, and I'm not kidding about this, we actually have a few people in our church that are certifiable geniuses like IQ. Spoiler alert, it's not me, I'm sure you, right? And, 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 and we do, and, and so are just men, they are so smart and know so much. And I say praise God, absolutely. But even they are less than a three-year-old when it comes to going up against God, right? He's infinite, he doesn't live in a linear going, what's gonna happen next? He's, he's past, present, future. You start thinking about it for a while, you get the, the, the old popsicle headache, right? Oh, I just can't even think because he's God, he's immense. Like, like, have you ever tried to explain to a, th- uh, a three-year-old who you care greatly for? You try to help them flourish and be healthy and, and do good things for their life, but you have to reveal it in a way that they understand, and it's really limited, right? You're like, well, I can't really tell them. They're not going to understand that. A three-year-old doesn't get that. Like I said, we're negative two billion in comparison to God. So we're limited. So it makes sense that he's revealed to us what we need. But there's times where you're like, yeah, but... I don't really get it, right? So that leads me to the second point of why God's revelation is not everything. It's sometimes, it's none of our business. I know we think everything's our business, right? Right? Especially when it impacts you. Well, I need God to tell me. No, you don't. Read Job. If anybody had a right to question God and to challenge God, it was Job, right? All of his children dead, all of his money gone, his friends are annoying, his wife, let's not even get started on her. And, and he's sitting there, his skin has got boils all over it, right? Who did, like anyone, any challenge, he's like, God, blah, 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 and God's answer is none of your business. He said it in a much better, more God-like way, but he didn't give him an answer, because in the end, he's like, and if you've ever been a parent, it's like, because I said so, right? How many times? Because I said so. Why, why? Because I said so. That's it, right? Think about now, he's God. How often he has to say to us, because I said so. This is how it is, right? So there's so many things that we don't grasp and understand. And so that means we're going to sometimes get fixated on one part of the plan or one part of the revelation. And we will get ourselves very easily into a prideful box. 
And I want us to be very careful about that. So let's start with facing the necessary boxes with humility. And, and, and so a couple of things with this. When, when, as I go through these things and, and, and talk about them, I, I want you to not hear what I'm not. I want you to hear, uh, you know, you get it. I, I don't want you to think I'm saying something that I'm not, okay? That, that I want you to just be like, oh, nothing's important, no, no big deal. These things are very important. Even the, the things where you can have different opinions about, they're important. They're things we're passionate about. And I believe you should study and learn and pursue and wrestle with and be passionate about until the day the Lord takes you. I really, really do. Don't let me stop you. But do it with humility. Get down, right? And, and, and recognize that you won't always be right. If you're young here and maybe you grew up in the church, you're like, I don't even really know what you're talking about. You will. You'll go to some other church someday or some other, and you'll be like, they're not supposed to do it that way. You just have a box, right? And maybe it's a necessary box. Maybe it's a good box, but it's still a box that you need to be humble enough to say, well, maybe my way isn't always right. When I even think, like, I'll say all the time to you, like, when I'm preaching, I'm preaching just as much to me as to you. And what I'm saying there, I hope with genuine humility, is, man, I am as much of a work in progress as you are. And, 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 and that's easy to say, but you know what's hard to say? Is, is if someday I'm with Jesus in heaven and he's going over my report card of everything I said, preached, taught, and counseled, do you think that Jesus, for accuracy, is going to give me a 100A plus? Anybody? Thank you for being respectful. The 9 o'clock, I had at least two people go, no. It's like, and, and, but you'd be right because nobody gets it right. I'm not talking about in, on purpose getting it wrong. That's leading you astray and that's wrong. I'm just saying what, we're not going to always be right. We're, we're, we're truly trying to be but with humility. We're going to get some things wrong and it's probably going to take a while for us to realize I got that wrong. Even John Piper will get it wrong. Even Charles Stanley. I know, I know, I know. John MacArthur. Didn't he write a Bible? No, he had a study Bible. Or he didn't write the Bible. Whatever your favorite pastors be, they're going to get some things wrong, right? You have, to, you have to humble yourself to realize we do our best, but we have to be careful of assuming we're always right. And so there are necessary boxes, okay? So when I say that, I mean to be distinct Bible-believing Christians, there has to be boxes, that we're like, yeah, you got to be in this box, right? The uh, Unitarians don't believe in the deity of Christ. That's unacceptable to us. We can love you well with humility, but we're right on that. Otherwise, we're not Christians, right? That anyone who says there's a works-based, uh, 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 where if you do enough stuff, you can get to heaven, we have got to reject that. That's a necessary box, right? That by faith, by grace alone, through faith alone, we are saved in Christ. That's, that's a tier one die-on-the-hill issue. But even with those, or, or things like that are constantly being attacked in churches today, are uh, God's clear sexual ethic. Clear, right? We have to do major gymnastics with the culture and with the language to get around what he clearly defined as a sexual ethic in the Bible. And, and so we have these boxes that are necessary, but we still, even with those, we still operate with humility. Right, that people who, who don't believe that or people who don't like us for believing that, we are called to love them with gentleness and respect and honor and just be as much as we can a people that's like, well, I don't like what you believe, but man, I sure do like you. 
That's the humility, even with the boxes that are necessary. But then there's boxes that, um, that, that are important, but they're not necessary. Meaning, you can be, theologically, a uh, born again in Christ, a Christian, and disagree on some really important stuff. Right? Like, um, so, we're going to call these theological boxes. Face theological boxes with humility. This is where I start really offending you, so it'll be okay. What are some things 15 years of being a lead pastor that I've run into quite a bit? There's a lot, but I'll give you some of the big ones. The first one I'll mention is eschatology. That's just a fancy word for the study of the end, right? The end times. When are you going to preach on the end? I had a um, really, really nice woman who, and she's right there. No, I'm kidding. She's not right there. Um, and she came up to me in between the 9 and 11, a while back. And really, really nice woman. I really mean that. And she came up to me, and this is why it really shocked me. She goes, Pastor, I was just wondering, you know, what's everything going on out there? Anyone use that phrase? Everything going on out there? Like it's crazy. The people who lived during World War II didn't say that, you know, think, right? But anyway, like we say that a lot. And she said that, and she said, when are you going to preach something that encourages us? And I went, I mean, to be fair, we were probably going through lamentations, and I mean, that was tough, right? But, but I was like, but it just took me a second, because you have enough of these conversations. I was like, oh, I get, I, I get where she's coming from. She wants me to preach that the end is coming, but here's exactly how God's going to do it, right? And she was in a very specific camp, meaning it was a pre-trib, we're not going to live through the tribulation camp, Okay, and that's one. There's also, there's many, but the, the two biggest ones are the pre-trib, not going to live through tribulation. Uh, we're going to uh, live through the tribulation. We're going to be raptured and the post-trib. We are, and there's this one time where Jesus comes back. And so you might find yourself passionately in one box or another. I'm just saying, be humble, right? Like if you are uh, a post-trib uh, person and you're passionate about that and you find yourself in the air with Kirk Cameron and Nick Cage and all the other left-behind people, right? Are you going to go, whoa, 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 Jesus put me down. I am a post-trib guy, all right? I'm not supposed to be here right now. Are you going to do that? N- no, you're going to be like, all right, I'm glad I'm wrong, you know, I'm glad. Or if it's the other way and you're just pre-trib, right? And all of a sudden you're living through a really, really hard time and you're like, oh, this can't be, right? And, and then Jesus comes back and it's the end. You're like, no, 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 no. It's not the end, Jesus. We got seven more years, all right? You're supposed, like, you're not going to do that. And, and, and so these both camps point to Scripture. And, and, and so I'm not saying don't study it. Don't study any of these issues. Absolutely. And have an opinion and form it. I'm just saying be humble. Get down to get out of that box. Otherwise, you'll find yourself dying on a hill you shouldn't die on. All right, what's some others? Marriage. Not marriage in general. But how we're supposed to, as Christians, um, look at, 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 at marriage. Right, there's um, egalitarian, there's complementarian. So one thinks that everyone's completely equal in the marriage, another says, well, we're equal, but there is roles. And boy, do people get angry about that one, don't they? Do you think only one of those groups is gonna be in heaven? Is Jesus is gonna say, mm, you had it wrong on marriage, man. Sorry, out. So why do we put a box around that? I'm saying, yeah, you talk about it, you believe, you, you study it, you, absolutely, but don't keep someone out because of your view on marriage or how a marriage should run. One of the biggest ones. You ready for this one? 
Calvinism. If you've never heard of that, it's okay, you will, right? And it's really, really important to talk about what do we think about the sovereignty of God? What do we think about predestination and election? They're biblical words, they're not swears, right? What do we think about them? What do we do with them, right? And, 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 and so they're important issues, but I, I truly believe, I'm not God, but I believe I have met very strong Christians on both sides of that issue. So what do we do with that? I mean, even way back in the Great Awakening, Whitfield, Calvinists, the Wesleys, brothers, they were great friends. They were completely on the opposite end of it, right? So again, important, but die on the hill? No. Be very careful of the puffed up with pride, right, in, our, in the boxes that we might have. There's all kinds of these things. There's, there's baptism, the Lord's Supper, how we celebrate it, what we think about it, important but are the people who, weren't, uh, who were baptized as children but never uh, had an immersion baptism not going to be in heaven? I don't believe that. I wonder about the thief on the cross. They didn't have anything. We still believe we're a Baptist church. We still believe it, but are we going to build that box that we keep other people out? Now, let me really start offending you. Because most people don't leave churches over theological reasons, which is sort of silly. They leave over preference. So let's face our preference boxes with humility. Now, when we play the game long enough, we turn preferences into theological subjects because we know, well, we can't get angry about a preference. So we call it a theological, but it's really our preference. 15 years, what are some big ones that I've run into? Biggest one? Music. Some of you are like, oh. We're passionate about our music, aren't we? Even Let's forget about uh, uh, church music for a second. How about just secular music? Are none of you listen to secular music? You burned all of your CDs back in, the, you know, back in the day? Or albums or vinyls or stone tablets, whatever you got your music on? <laughs> no, right? So, so, so you, 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 I, I'm going to play this game with you, all right? And I, want, I, give you, I encourage you, I want you to yell out when I say go. Just yell out your favorite decade, the, the decade that's clearly the best music-wise, right? And you're, oh, 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 false start. All right, one, two, three, go. Oh, I heard a lot. Anybody say 40s? Anybody? You wanted to. You just felt like that would show your age, right? Okay, so raise your hand if you believe you're right with what you just said. Go ahead, raise your hand. Okay, you, you know where I'm going. So some of you are like, Ooh, right? But you, you really truly believe you're right. That's why you yelled it out. Why do we get so many? Because you, you're passionate about music because it connects you to something. Some, some of it's, yeah, you really liked it, but a lot of it, like for me, I'm not a big music guy, but as I become old, right, I start hearing music from, you know, my childhood, the early 2000s. <laughs> All right. 80s, early 90s, that was my wheelhouse, right? And so, so when I hear that, it brings me back. I listen to it, sometimes I hear it with my wife, and we went to high school together, so it's like brings you back, right? And it's just really powerful what, what music does. And so let's take that whole idea and put it in the church and just say, yeah, some of you, man, it was, it was singing, you know, the old rugged cross with your grandparents in church. That's church, right? The old hymns, right? And then others are just like, man, you use more recent. And it was at a camp where you, you, you heard, uh, you know, a Chris Tomlin song or something else. And it just was powerful in that moment where God saved you. So you just think that. It, and, you, and you look at each other and you both think the other one's crazy. Right? But neither of you are. It's a preference. And have your preference. Amen and amen. But 
Don't build a box around it, right? Someday we'll, we'll get to heaven and we can be like, Jesus, which was it? What was the best music? And he'll probably say something from the Middle Ages that we completely don't have any record of, right? They nailed it back then, right? I just think sometimes I'm going to get to heaven and I'll be like, so who got that right? Jesus would be like, you did, Jamie. And I'll be like, yeah. And then he'll be like, now let's talk about dress. Did you even own an iron? I mean, what was that? And I'm God, by the way. That was a rhetorical question. I know the answer to it, right? So, so dress could be a big thing. You're supposed to dress a certain way. Uh, style of, of worship service, right? There's all, we're very simple here, like typical Baptist are. We're not really all that bright. So we preach, we praise, we pray, and that's about it, right, with a few other things in between. But, but others have a lot of liturgy. So, so you recite creeds or the Our Father, and, and, and is either one of them absolutely the best? Your first response is yes, because of your background or because of what connects you, and it's fine to have a preference, but in the end, that's what they are. And so get down. Be humble. Maybe I'm not always right. Or preferences uh, in things we do or don't do. Say Christmas, you know, there's a bearded guy, right? And, and, oh, we don't do that. Or, why not? Whatever your preference is. Or, do we let our kids go trick-or-treating? Never. We let them dress up like the Reformation, and we give them candy. And then we go to church, and we open trunks and give them candy. But we don't celebrate trick-or-treating here. And I go... Yeah, you do. You just call it something else, right? And it's okay. It's okay. And you might find you're right in the end. And before we go, just in case there's someone here who's not offended, let me just make sure I cover one more thing. (laughs) Political. No one's running out yet. Don't run. Don't go. You can go to the bathroom in a few minutes. Don't pretend. I got to go to the bathroom. I don't want to hear what he's about to say. And, and, and we have, we're passionate about our opinions and ideas. Uh, I have them. You want to hear them? I know what all of you just said. Nope. Don't care. And none of us really care, but we still feel like everyone should care. And, and we have them. And I'm not saying don't have them. I'm saying it's not important because it's talking about issues of policy and how things should go. Absolutely. But you know, the, there's really only two things you'll ever do to change anything politically. Pray and vote. That's it. I encourage you to do both of them. As off, early and often as you can, right? That's more the prayer thing, okay? But politics, we can build a box that we can't fathom. You could be a Christian and be on the other side of that issue. That's a box you need to get down. You might actually be wrong or partly wrong, right? There, there's, there's, so I, I want to ask you this question. If you were to measure the amount of time if you're a political person, some of you are like, couldn't care less, right? I already offended you with music or something else, right? But, but if, if, if you're kind of like one of those persons, you really like politics, you really like the issues, and, 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 and if you were to match up the time spent watching that podcast, listening to that talk show, watching that news channel, and time spent in scripture, what would it look like? Who's discipling you? Who's discipling you? And so you might be right, but the question is, is your attitude Right? And that's what I'm most impo- is most important because we're all over the map here and do all these different things. And so the key to all of it, all of it, no matter what your age, no matter what your, your, your boxes might be or might not be, get down to get out. Humble yourself, right? So the, the last thing I just want to put up there is face everything with humility. 
And that you aren't going to drift that way. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be more humble just because you are. God will humble us, right? It's always my prayer. Lord, give me humility without making me experience it in life. Because it's hard to be humbled. So pray for it. Pursue it. Actually look at someone, you know, sit with someone you completely disagree on something that's really important to you and have a conversation without getting angry with them, hating them, calling them some kind of name either outside or inside. Can you do it? Work on it. Practice it. Because as I said to start things off here, the, the, there will be nothing in your life that won't go better with humility. The Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Let him do the lifting up and let us keep going down. Let's pray. Lord, I I, I thank you for the freedom to be able to um, gather and and talk about some of these issues that get us riled up and um, that we might even disagree on. Lord, these boxes are um, hard. They're hard for me. They're, they're hard for my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. We confess that. And we're blinded to them just like that church in Judea, just like Peter was, actually arguing with you that he's right. We confess that we're often like Peter, and sometimes we don't know it, sometimes we don't see it. So would you show us, Lord? I pray for everyone who's, who's with me in this prayer right now for humility that you help us to see other people as souls made in your image, that we would not let issues define us, but you, Jesus, define who we are, and you alone, that we will be discipled by you, not by anything in this world, that we will just get constantly, get on our spiritual knees and recognize you are God and we're not. Lord, we confess we will not do that by accident. We need your help. We need your spirit. We need your strength and wisdom. Lord, lastly, I pray for anyone here who walked in this room not a Christian, and maybe you've challenged that worldview that, they, that they're starting to realize. Would you give them faith to believe that Jesus is the way, truth, and life, that you, Jesus, died for them, and all they need to do in faith is confess, Jesus, save me. We want to see people come to know you, that there's no more obstacles in their way anymore. There's nothing keeping them out but them, Lord. Show them. You, Jesus, you removed every obstacle, everything that was ever in the way, that they can walk by faith into your truth, into your salvation. We praise your name. May your name receive all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have the ability, would you stand with us physically? And if you don't, stand with us spiritually as we praise the Lord together.